as humans, we typically take things so damn personal. I do too. And, you know, if, if someone doesn't want to come along with me, someone doesn't want to say yes, that will be feedback that they don't like me or they're not on my team anymore. They'll say like that, oh, they're not on my team, which is a reaction. First one is, oh, we're not that aligned as if that's a problem, you know, because finding out where I'm misaligned from someone actually might be to your point the exact way to get alignment. Like something's not working, but I actually don't want to see what's not working. Once you've asked somebody to do something on your team, how do you know, A, if they're clear on what you want, and B, if they're truly committed to what it is you're asking for? This conversation is all about checking in for commitment. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. In this episode, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down to chat about the ways in which we can check for commitment from those that are on our team. There are little things as frustrating as thinking that you're on the same page with somebody in a request, only to find out later that they were not committed to the results the way you thought they were. In this conversation, we talk about how to set up that commitment and then how to check in to make sure that the commitment is there. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, it's so good to be with you, Dan and Adrian. Great to be here. Oh yeah, party time. Yeah, so... (laughs) <laughs> All right, Adrian, start going now. I want to see you part again. I'm ready. Let it I'm let ready. it loose, brother. I'm ready. I'm ready. Set the Kraken free. Yes. Oh, yes. When I get out of a handful of phone calls, you know, it's kind of the I don't know. I never got like people that like to be object like uh, like objective distance. And I, I'm I'm in it with my when I'm in a coaching call, I'm like in it with them. I'm feeling all the feels, you know, it's I guess it's part of being an empath. Like I'm like in their shoes and I'm feeling what's going on for them. And I, I come out of them sometimes like, man, shit, I wish I could go be in that meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so anyway, yeah. I'm feeling All invigorated today. I've actually asked, can I go? You want me to come can with I, you? Can I come? Put in, your, put in your piece in. Let's talk like football. I'll be up here in the, in the tower and you'll be down there on the field. Go. Yeah, I, I can relate to that, man. I get so fired up and excited for the conversations they're about to go have. That's why I'm always like, update me, update me, keep me updated. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, that's great. So last conversation, we talked about making requests. This is a continuation of that conversation in a way, also a a succinct topic. Where I wanted to start with this one is last time in the last episode, and if you haven't listened to that, I'd go listen to that because it's a great setup for this conversation. One of the things that was brought up in that call was we may not make powerful requests because we don't want to hear the answer. I think that's really, really interesting. What is it that drive? I mean, what are some of the fears? What are some of the, what's the way of being that drives us to not actually like we you think about? I think about our listeners, right? They're leaders, they're founders, hard driving, powerful people who have created something really meaningful in the world, and they want to see this thing thrive. They want to see it go to the world in a meaningful way, and yet they can still find themselves in a position of not wanting to hear the answer, and that's interesting to me. What is the way of being? What is the what is the setup when somebody doesn't when a founder and a leader who loves their people, loves their product, loves their customers still doesn't want to know what's actually there as far as commitment? This is every 
anybody who's involved in working with people or persuading them, I think they come up against this, but particularly salespeople, because yeah. you're gonna, you, you know, you're going to make a request and then you're going to find out where the client is or the, or the customer is. You're going to find out their attitude is, what they think about, what, what they like or don't like about what the product is or, you know, what final things are in their way. And, and so there's, you're, if the aim, again, because the aim can change moment to moment, but if the aim is to serve the client, if the aim is really to make the difference, they may or may not choose the request. The idea is to get clear about what's going to fulfill the quest, the request most robustly. So, you know, that that's the beauty of asking for the, the request. But I'm afraid because now I'm aiming at getting what I want from the relationship. And I'm afraid to make the request because I may find out what's missing and I may not be able to provide what's missing. And maybe it's good. It's better. They don't take it like that. And then I'm faced with, because I think it's more complex than just one thing. Then I'm faced with working again, more work, sit down, go through the process again. So I better love what I'm up to. I better enjoy the process of meaningful communication and getting that what I'm doing is actually serving this this client customer and that by serving them, it's going to fulfill, it's going to open up the greatest number of possibilities for people to take action with my product or service. I think that's that's kind of the metaphysics of it in my mind. What I hear you saying, Dan, and this is, this is great. I said is, a lot there, sorry. A lot of no, 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 this, this is fantastic. Said, <laughs> what I hear you saying, and I'm, I'm just putting myself in these shoes, is that to me, the no looks like no possibility. Yeah, no looks like there's, never instead of yes, no. Yeah. Yes, or that there's not even a possibility in the no revealing what's missing. Uh, yeah, and what's next? Like, what's next? Yeah, yeah, which no could be the greatest opening there is. But we, if it looks like a closing, if it looks like the diminishing of anything that's possible, of course I don't want to hear it. Yeah, a couple other things come to mind for me. One is, you know, why is you laid out a specific ask, Chad, which is like for founders and those that are listening that are running something. Um, as humans, we typically take things so damn personal. I do too. And, you know, if, if someone doesn't want to come along with me, someone doesn't want to, to say yes, it's just, it's natural that I will use that to, or that will use me actually, but that, that will be feedback that they don't like me or they're not on my team anymore. They'll say like that, oh, they're not on my team. And it, it, it which is a reaction. Uh, that's kind of the secondary conversation. The first one is, oh, we're not that aligned as if that's a problem, you know, because finding out where I'm misaligned from someone actually might be, to your point, the exact way to get alignment. Like something's not working, and I, but I actually don't want to see what's not working. On on the way to alignment is on the way to misalignment. On, is a misalignment. That's all there is, by the way. That's it. <laughs> there's only those two things. Yeah. Otherwise, there's just, you know, there's fantasy. There's fantasy alignment or there's mediocrity. And yeah, I, I call are, I call it's interesting because I call fantasy alignment cordial hypocrisy. Right on. Right. Like I'm cordially lying, wearing a mask. And I'm I wearing, know that I am. Yeah. And, 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 I and am. sometimes I know that you know that I am. But if I but if I can get by, I'm all in. Yeah. 
So, and I think also where there's just the other answer to that too is, so we don't, we don't want the personal disappointment. We're also, we're just really conflicted that we, we want to treat people like tools, but we know that's not a good idea long-term. At least you'd think we'd know that. (laughs) You'd think we'd know that. Like, I I just, I don't actually give a shit about this person, but I want to act like I give a shit about them. So let me just, or what's, you know, or, or it's like, I'm conflicted in myself. Like I ought to really give a shit, but I don't, I'm actually, you know, I'm not that type of person they might say to themselves, or I'm just here to do business, quote unquote. I'm, you know, this is a business decision, not a personal decision. And I'm conflicted because there's like a person that I am whenever I'm objectifying people. And I actually don't like that person. I'm not, I don't like it when I am he, but then I'll justify it instead of like, hold on a second. How do I infuse my humanity here? And, but that's going to take a lot more risk and a lot more faith. So they're conflicted. I know I am sometimes when I'm just like pissed at something, pissed about something. I just want it to be all the emotions to be gone as if I can swing my magic wand and make nobody care about how they feel about anything. Yeah. So people are in conflict and people just, you know, we love to take everything personally. I think it's why people won't stand in this tension of a, of life after a bold request. Yeah, when you say take it personally, I mean, because I think everything is personal because you're there. However, taking it personal is like attaching it to your identity. Like, yes. if this doesn't yeah. happen, I'm not a good, I'm not a good manager. I'm not a good leader. I'm not a good founder. Oh my God, they don't want to align. There must be something wrong with me versus maybe they're just not, that's not for them. <laughs> and now what? Like, let's find out now. I'd rather pay now, as you said, Adrian, than later with penalties and interest. I, you know, and it's how much of what you really don't want do you want to eat? That's yeah. the question. It's driven from the fear that there's something wrong, bad or broken with them, it or me, right? That them, like, what if I have the wrong person in the wrong place? I'm going to have to see that. That's going to cost me time and energy. What if it, the project or the request or the thing, what if there's something wrong with that or bad or broken about it or me? Like, what if I'm not capable of holding in in this request? What if I'm not, you know, all of that sort of, what if I'm not a a leader worth following, blah, 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 all the stuff that goes on in our minds. There's. uh, I I had a client once, I said, well, why don't you do a 90-day trial period with this person because it's a sales position or they're working with salespeople and see how they do and get committed, just committed for that 90 days, get committed to their success. And they said, I don't know if I can do that because that's like, that'd be really hard if they weren't working out. And I said, yeah. And so what would be hard about that? Well, you don't have to hurt. They might be, their feelings might be hurt. I said, well, do you think their feelings would be hurt if you perpetually, you lied to them and then you put them in, you, you got more and more resentful? Like which one would hurt more, right? And it was really interesting to connect with a concern that wasn't really anchored to what, the future it brings, right? It wasn't anchored to the long-term payoff or, you know, price, the short-term payoff of getting by or relieving the tension of disapproval or breaking rapport was more important at that moment. But as we had, as we talked about what the long-term would be, they were very clear. And then they wanted to know what are ways I could go with, you know, like, let's talk about ways I could bring this up that would be respectful and honorable and I could be hard on the problem, soft on the person. Then all of a sudden they started asking those questions, but that occurred out of there when they shifted the aim and they got, and that shifted when they thought they accounted for what future was coming. So 
we've we've covered why we might not want to hear the answer, why we might not want to check for commitment. So let's go down this road of like, what does it take to check for commitment with the people that we're making commitments with or making requests with? And I have, I've had plenty of experiences in my life, and I don't think I'm unique in this experience, where I've thought that I made a request and I thought I had commitment on something. And then a little bit of time passes and the commitment is due or that, you know, whatever it is that we decided on has come to a head and we're going to see the results of the commitment and there aren't results only to find out that there was no commitment or there was a different commitment or less of a commitment than I thought was there. And I mean, I've just, I've experienced that lots and lots. I don't know if people can relate to that or not. And that's really the essence of this topic is like how for you two as coaches, how would you start to dissect a conversation like that? Where where would you start to investigate? What would you investigate in order to find out what happened? What happened on the back end of it not working? Yeah. Why did, why was there not, why did I think there was commitment where there wasn't? Yeah. So the thought that comes to mind is, you know, that there's a phrase I think I've used before, maybe on this podcast, Chad, you've always liked it when I've used it, but you know, current reality tells the truth. We don't. Not that we can't tell the truth, but I'm saying that like, if there's a difference between what I'm saying or what I think I'm thinking about what happened and what actually happened, I better believe results. Like results tell me the truth and they reveal results are revealing. So whenever I'm getting a result that's different than what I thought I was going to get, most people go towards shame or blame or credit in this context, shame or blame. Because if something doesn't work, I don't usually give credit for that. But most people go there, which is to judge something. And they like the convenience of something being wrong because I can distance myself from something being wrong or distance myself from the wrong person. And it generates distance in general. If I don't go do that, then what's the next thing to do is to jump into some questions, jump into inquiry. First off, I would inquire into how the agreement was set up. Like, here's what I thought we had said, and here's what happened. So I'm guessing I missed something. So let's talk through, because, you know, we said we're going to do this, and now we're doing this. So it's off for me. I don't know if it's off for you, um, but some, I'm going to assume something's off for me. So tell me back whenever we talked about this on Monday, what you heard me say instead of what I thought I said. You know, so there's an openness that I missed something early. That would take, take some humility to do that. But that's the first thing is to jump into some inquiry. And then what did I, and then for even just, to, I probably should have better organized this answer, but there's both external inquiry and internal inquiry. That's what I was going to just ask. Which way oh, good. Yeah. The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about the change imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity confidence and alignment with the change imperative ebook the change imperative is instructions for innovating with your team go ahead and click on the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the change imperative now
and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. I was just going to ask you, what, when you say inquiry, inquiry of whom? You know, first. Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to ask myself a bunch of questions first, and then I'm going to ask them as well. I would usually go in that pattern. I'd ask myself some questions and then go inquire to see if I'm even right on when I've been reflecting. So I'm going to ask myself what I might have been missing. And there's probably some answers there, some things, some, some potential there about things to go then check in with the other person about. Because maybe I thought I said this, maybe this happened, maybe this happened. What in their answer on Monday, I've made up a scenario now that it's, we made a request on Monday, now it's Friday, it didn't happen. What in their answer on Monday did I actually feel uncertain about that I was unwilling to inquire into then? You know, like that, that happens a ton, right? When, when people give contingent yeses, like, like I will, you know, until, as Dan was saying on the last podcast, I will if, I will, and then I will until, I will, and give kind of circumstance, circumstantial, their yes is circumstantial, right? Like unless, it's, yeah, unless and until, yeah. Unless and until. And there might have been that happening, or I had a hunch, intuitive hunch. People are usually very convenient about when they actually utilize their intuition. We love, we love to utilize our intuition to play gotcha on someone. We don't love to use our intuition to play gotcha on ourselves. Like to tell the truth, like, hey, I had a hunch that you weren't really into it. Even the, the example, I think, on the last podcast, Dan, you were talking about us sitting down with this really badass founder, CEO, and she told us a story this week of a, a request she had of her people. And she, I'm guessing it was more of a demand in the meeting, like, hey, I need this by then. She didn't say, is there anything coming up that might compete with this thing getting done? She might have said that. She didn't mention that she said that. But then people said, yes, they would. And then three weeks later, they still hadn't. And I'm wondering what was missing for her and what she was, how willing was she to vet their yes? Because I hear you saying yes. Do you mean yes? Do you mean like for sure on Friday at noon, I'm going to get it? Or do you mean, or what might come up this week that might compete with your yes? Even, even people that are listening now, I'm going on for a long time. Cut me off any moment. We've tried. We've tried. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 listen, I'm just here to say something, damn it. I've got, <laughs> they don't make preparation of the preparation aids for the mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm being puckered up over here. I like, though, I like the phrase, vet the yes. That's a t-shirt. Vet the yes. What I was going to say was, you know, so many of us as leaders, and I can do this myself, it's like, I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain myself. I don't have enough time to really do all this stuff, Adrian. What the hell? You think I've, you think I've just got time to do that? Well, I don't know. You have time to clean it up constantly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, where do and you want to spend your time? it's a lot more expensive doing that. Well, it's the, you know, it's the whole ounce of prevention, pound of cure thing. And by the way, if you, if you vet the yes a few times, people will vet their own yes. You know, you've trained them to like make sure their yes is yes. And if it's not yes, you've given them permission to be clear saying, hey, Friday sounds good. I actually don't think I can get it done by Friday. I might be able to. But I'm actually, let me get real with you. My commitment is Monday end of business. I might get it to you by Friday, but that'll be if things all work out. I don't think, I think they might not work out, but for sure, Monday end of business. And um, the other thing is not only vet the yes when you get it, but pay attention to the science, right? I'm taking for granted that somebody said, yes, so it's going to get done. But the actual promise gives me permission to, to expect or claim its performance. 
before. That's when you do that. You don't do that afterwards. You do that before. So it 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 basically is setting the gradient up. The promise itself creates a gradient of expectation for who we're going to be for one another as we go forward. So if I accept or you accept the promise, we're both responsible for having it turn out that, you know, responsibility isn't about what didn't work. It's about what, what's it going to take now to have it work. Right. So along the way, there are probably plenty of signs. Maybe they missed a call or they didn't do something and they did it partially or, you know, you can, they call up and they just ask you a question that's seems out of left field about circumstances that may get in the way. And, you know, who knows, like, as Adrian said, you have things, experiences going, "Hmm, I should probably ask about that or, you know, or I'm not listening as closely to their language and they may be telling me something's up and I'm not paying attention. They may have even said it in an evasive way, but I never got how detrimental or incremental or detrimental it is to the fulfillment of the word that we made, right? So those are, anytime I look back at where did I miss it, it always started way before it broke. You know, things happen slowly, then all of a sudden, where did I miss it in the slowly? How did I miss them? What was I taking for granted about them that I didn't pay attention to what was wanted and needed? There's there's a lot of questions in there that I can, if I can get a hold of them, when I go talk to them about what's not working, then I have something I can own and I can invite them into deepening the relationship and fulfilling the results. So now we have a meaningful result. We have a meaningful engagement. And the result means more than just getting something done and turning somebody into a tool, but learning and coming together and you know creating some momentum and synergy. This is so good. I, I'm loving this. That's why I wanted to start from the result and work backwards in hopes that it would reveal some of these these pitfalls, missteps, or whatever we want to call them when it comes to finding out later on that you actually didn't have the commitment that you thought you did. Um, so thank you. I wanted to just like pull out a couple. There's been a lot here, and I just wanted to pull out a couple of things succinctly, and then and then we can wrap this up. But I love the idea that like we're willing to, or, or I, I'm interested in the idea that we're willing to ignore the hesitancy, even when our gut shows us or tells us that it's there. We don't want to push in because of whatever that's going to mean, whatever we're making up, the time that it's going to take, blah, 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 blah. I also thought, Adrian, as you talked about demand, how much leaders, founders, business owners, how much do your requests show up as demands and you think you have commitment, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I need this, get it to me. And you think just because they're on the payroll, do you have commitment? The next time you ask that question, follow it up with, is there anything that can get between you and completing that by the time we've agreed? That's right. That's, That's great. So that's vetting the yes, right? And then Dan, you took it one step further is like, we vet the yes when we get it. But the yes can change at any moment. Aim can change. A person's aim can change for whatever. You know, it might be something up with the family. It might be something up with the business. They might be ill or they just might be distracted. But you know, paying attention to that makes a difference. Yeah. So if you have that motto, that old, um, what, are, what do they call them? Infomercial motto of set it and forget it. <laughs> people don't, people don't <laughs> work that pot, way. The crock pot. <laughs> It's a, right. it's a, think of the name Crock-Pot. It's a crock <laughs> if you set it and forget it. 
it just doesn't work with people. People are dynamic. Things change, always change. People are moving, moving targets, man. Yeah, right on. I'm thinking about there's like this, um, there's a, it might be a polemic. I'm not sure, but it seems like there's a dynamic here between there's a couple different complaints that people have about their people. And then the people have about their managers, the complaint that people have about their people is, or about an organization is that it's really political and siloed. That's a very common complaint. This is a siloed organization. The complaint about the, from the silos back up is this guy's a micromanager. And reality is neither one of those are the conditions by which great teamwork come out of. And what we're talking about, at least when I hear you talking about it, Dan, is if we've got an agreement, we actually, that generates permission to go walk through the silo. How are things going over here? How are you doing? You know, you said this by then, how are things going? And a lot of times when someone comes and checks out the silo, then their complaint is that they're being a micromanager. They're too much in the weeds instead <laughs> of, right? And then at the same point, then I, you know, I don't want to be a micromanager. So I'll just live in denial and act like I said it and forget it. But, you know, that silo is over there by itself. And it, well, it's a transformational act. You make a problem. If I invite and you accept or you invite and I accept, that's a transformational act. I've transformed a duty I have to myself into a commitment or, you know, a commitment I have into a duty I have to you, a right I have to myself into a duty I have to you or a commitment I have to you. So now you have permission to expect and claim that act. In fact, it might be good. I mean, just the, just to talk, the definition of promise is revealing in a general sense. It's a declaration written or verbal made by one person to another, which binds the person who made it to the other person in honor, either honor, conscience, or law to do or not do a certain act. It's a declaration that gives the person to whom it was made the right to expect and claim the performance or forbearance of that act. So it's transformational and it's binding, right? We're not bound and all of a sudden we agree and now we're bound. And what are we bound to? We're bound to a future. And how much are we going to allow that future to mold and develop our relationship together? And the boundaries of that are contained in the promise. Interesting stuff, man. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that's great. I mean, most of, the, most of the times people have such fragile relationships that they can't even deal with this type of... Because that's, that's an ever-moving tension, I would just say. So if we're bound together... There's certain versions of Dan that I like being bound to. There's certain versions of Dan I, lo- I don't like being bound to. Same thing, vice versa, right? Like there's, I can get, you know, when I get edgy, I'm not a fun guy to be around, even for me. But I'm also can be very generous. But that's, uh, if there's enough trust in the relationship, with bestowed trust, like, hey, I can say what I need to say here. You can say what you need to say here. You can say anything and I'm going to be with you and speak to it and correct it and edit it and all that kind of stuff. And I, if there's enough of that, then... Because I get why people don't like their bosses hanging around them because they don't feel like they can speak right to if the way they're there is a resource or not. Yeah. It's the way they're there, right? Like how, what kind of rights and privileges are there in how they're showing up in the thing? Am I, are they there to inspect and critique or are they there to serve? That's a great question. Am I, am I willing to give you the break I give myself? How about that one? Yep. Am I going to relate to you and give you the kind of respect that I would want you to give me or the break that I give myself? Will I give it to you? 
break meaning rather than jump to conclusions. I'm going to think the best until we have a conversation and can explore it. I don't have to make stuff up. I wouldn't want you doing that to me. Yeah. Cause if the boss is there anxiously, you know, it's, it's, it'd be great to have a conversation like, Hey, it seems like you're anxious about this thing. I said, I'd get it to you by Friday. You seem anxious about it. Is there something else missing from me? Or if like you're there as the boss and you're like, you seem, it's, you know, it's okay to say, it seems like you're pretty disconnected, disconnected from Friday. Here's why I needed that thing. But you seem disconnected from it. Like it's Thursday at five o'clock and I haven't even heard you talk about it. Are you going to get it to me by tomorrow? Is it still like, what's going on? You know, and this could be just me. I'm just checking in because I've, I've seen no signs, but what you're doing is you're creating a narrative that gives permission, an invitation to explore what's uncomfortable, but an invitation like, Hey, this could be me. I don't know, but I want to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous about it. Right. So that's an invitation to really connect deeper at it. And I want to be a resource for this. What's going on. Right. Yeah. You're also injecting that into the culture as a whole, the opportunity for those who you're leading to lead others in that way. We've, we've talked about it over and over again. If you're in a chaotic, if you're as a founder in a chaotic state, you're going to experience chaos within your organization. Same thing with any, all of this is you have the opportunity to inject this into your organization, the culture of your organization. So I think it goes without saying, but it's worth repeating. If this conversation, if there's anything convicting for you in this conversation, if there's anything that you want to explore deeper or apply in a meaningful way, we're here. We want to be with you in this process. This is such a crucial part of what we help founders do with their organizations. So please reach out to us, takenewground.com. We want to help. We want to be here for you. Yes, sir. Great. Thanks, gentlemen, so Thank much. You. Thank yeah, you, Thanks, Chad. Love you both. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.